Hello and welcome back to JLXP. We have League of Emily here once again. Uh, previously, we've only I've only had you on once. I definitely need to have you on more if you're down for it. But we're through two weeks of the LCS. Uh, thank you, thank you once again for coming on. How do you feel in general about week two? It was inter It was interesting, right? Uh, I think the biggest surprise to me, and I know we'll get into this later, but was definitely TL. Yeah. faltering because they came off of having such an incredibly strong week one where I was looking at the way they were playing and the way that they were drafting. And I was like, okay, they seem to have really figured out how they want to play. And that's a mm -hmm. really good harbinger of what's to come for this team. Yeah. And then uh, it was not the case in week two. Also, it was, I don't know if you heard Danny's video package today, but what do you say? In, in the EG content, he, he refers to, TL is like that tragedy last last spring. <laughs> it's like this really hilarious, like where you, you can tell he's like trying to be polite, but it's like so overly polite that it also comes out as like almost sarcastic. Yeah. And I was like thinking like, oh, tragedy last spring. I was like, oh, he's talking about like not something bad happening outside of League of Legends, but just the loss to EG. Yeah, probably also the Baron healing <laughs> at the minute break point so Danny could yeah. get the Baron steal in a pentacle. That's so funny. Uh, I'm surprised you said the most surprising thing for you was TL faltering because COG's 4-1. And, and they beat EG in what was a very, very close game. So that's, I think, the first topic because anytime you have a new tied for first place team that is like COG where they were eighth place in spring were six and 12 and they're already four and one <laughs> they're already 66 percent of their wins two eighths or, or two weeks of the eight weeks into the season and still very close games F first up actually we got into uh impromptu bet on waiting room yep. with mark raz and i and we all had to pick a team that could be the fifth team because it's fairly unanimous if everyone was going to have to do a top five that some order of TL, EG, 100 Thieves, and Cloud9 would probably mm -hmm. be there, especially after Cloud9 had the two a week. So who would, who would your fifth team be? I ended up picking TSM, which I don't feel great about, but I don't know if I feel great about any of these picks. Would you... Yeah. And you're allowed to double up. You don't have to do a unique pick. You could do... COD, TSM, or FlyQuest, which was the choices for Raz, myself, and Mark? So for me, it's between CLG and TSM, and I think both teams, I know, like, I feel like I'm a little bit higher on CLG than you are, maybe, uh, okay. just because I do think that it wasn't just the team composition. Mm -hmm. um, that was kind of what I was initially worried about with their team, but I also just think that overall, you can see that, A, Having Dokla up in the top lane really changes the fabric of this team. And that's not a like, you know, wow, Jensen's terrible or uh, Jenkins is terrible. Get him out of there. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that because he's so willing to play carries, because he's so like loud and exuberant of a mm. person. Mm -hmm. Um, I know like contracts had this really great anecdote today that we were able to go back and find on broadcast where Dokla actually almost like unintentionally boomed him by slapping him on the shoulder as he was killing the Nexus because then apparently Contrax's mouse went flying because he was not expecting it. Uh, there was like this big shoulder slap. It was just so funny. But like that's the kind of guy that Dokla is. He also, uh, Contrax said, he's one of the people who is 
grinding at the facility mm. the most. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's a really interesting reflection because whenever you talk about Dokla and actually contracts as well, you kind of have to talk about how the community and people in general view players who aren't immediately overwhelmingly successful their yeah. first round in the yeah. LCS. Uh, or they have they fall off. Like contracts was successful initially, but then post C9, he's had a lot of uh, you know highs and lows. Yeah. So CLG for me, I see fundamental things on this team that are like a marked improvement. I think contracts and Palafox's mid jungle is a lot more well coordinated. Mm-hmm. Before it was kind of like throwing darts and if they had a good game together and Palafox was on something where he could affect side lanes like a rise or a TF, that's when they would do well. Mm-hmm. And when that didn't happen, that's when they would not do well. Uh, so I think they're a lot more stable now. And then TSM, I actually think weirdly can be good. Uh, mm-hmm. And I say that after they lost to in a really entertaining draft, actually, yeah. uh, from, from game one today. Um, but I still think they're on an interesting like upward trajectory. I think their top side is already working very well together. So... I'll like go CLG now just due to mm-hmm. math reasons, right? They because have a two they're game now lead. four and yeah. one, right? Yeah. But I, I also won't be surprised if like TSM actually sneak in there, which I didn't expect myself to be saying when like Parth tweeted it before week one started and, and kind of got a lot of shit for it. Yeah. We're going to talk about our expectations of Maple and TSM at the end. I want to stick on CLG for a, a moment here. I always have a healthy level of skepticism when (laughs) a new team breaks into the top and it's always so difficult because you feel like an asshole to be like okay guys they're four and one but really like let's look at how they've done it because even today today was a very exciting close game they were down at one point baron elder and as the elders expiring they're holding off the nexus push as their own like it's that game could have flipped in so many different ways if it flips against them they're three and two that's also a game where they got first blood on a level one invade which greatly helped the lane state of palafox and silas versus corky which was like gonna be a even harder lane for silas if he's not able to get that extra dorns ring to start the lane because jojo was playing that lane really well and then mm-hmm. you can even look back to yesterday or to, to last week where they had, I I forget exactly which game was very close, but there's one of them that was also super back and forth. I think it was against the Golden Guardians. And then on top of that, three of their next four opponents since they've played five of the nine is going to be 100 Thieves, Cloud9, and Team Liquid. And then yeah. also Immortals who might actually be the worst. So even with all of this, I'm still expecting them to be like, okay, five and four is probably their expected result. Which, which still can put them in what is close to a fifth place spot, but it is, uh, I think, I think temporary for them to be in first. And I'm willing, actually, and this this is maybe the like asshole part of it. Even if they beat one of those teams and it's like end like six and three in the first half, I still probably won't see them as a top like three or four team. They just have had too long of a period of disappointment for me to rank them after the short burst of best of one victories. I also think that can coexist with like thinking that they're a much better team than spring, right? Because in spring we saw like 
they had that one initial flash of brilliance in lock-in. And I remember Mark being like, True. oh man, like this CLG team, they have, they have like the P word, which is potential. If you guys don't know the CLG <laughs> potential meme, go and look it up. Um, but like, and then, you know, they had a really rough spring despite multiple team members actually saying they still had like a pretty good environment on the True. team. Like, you yeah. know, they weren't like completely mental boomed or anything like that. Um, so I think both can exist, right? I think CLG can exist in a world where they do seem to have a really good handoff on what they want to draft. They have actually visibly improved mm-hmm. in the way that they pay attention to like side lanes. And, and obviously like another part that can't go unsaid is EG, I've seen them play poke comps well. Today was not one of those days. Mm-hmm. Just gonna throw that out there. I think there were several times where they kind of mixed, mis-executed on how you want to play with Fog in particular, with Corky and Ezreal, and they kept yeah. kind of opting into these fights that allowed yeah. CLG to take advantage. Um, but that's only in a single game, and I do think CLG's fundamentals are looking a lot, a lot better. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think the two can coexist. Like I think the healthy skepticism can exist along with the this team is legitimately improved. Yeah, and who knows, maybe Raz now has to eat another habanero on broadcast or something. Yeah, so the way the bet fun. plays out is actually kind of disastrous because let's say, let's say Golden Guardians, who's also two and three, just put it together and are the fifth place team. Then all of us lose. It's just what happens then. Everyone has to eat a pepper. It's like if, if your team <laughs> doesn't finish top five, you lose. It's really the house always Ooh. wins in, in this. Wow, you, you guys kind of gamed yourselves. Yeah, I. I, I I have a few regrets, but <laughs> I'd say that your CLG point is strong. I think their expand, like ever expanding coaching staff, also seems to be, at least from the outside, working in terms of a division of labor and them having a pretty good culture and feel of the team with everyone feeling mm-hmm. like they can make contributions. I like all the banter they have on Twitter about Apollo tweeting and if a win deserves a tweet and whether or not you're being able to get you know him out of just staying off of Twitter. So all about CLG is still very positive. So yeah, I, I respect the current call of them mm-hmm. being the most likely to do top five. Let's talk about a little bit more of the top four. I liked the point on, on team liquid that we can go into a little bit more where they were super, super dominant in week one. And then I think were, and listening to Santorin a little bit in his proto pro with high afterwards, he Santorin's all, Santorin is always a little bit like he looks at the bad side of things because he's very good at correcting those in the future. So he kind of ends up remembering mm-hmm. them, but he doesn't even consider to win because he thought the game was out of their control. And it was mm-hmm. only that FlyQuest rushed a barren start and then peeled yeah. off improperly that they lost the game, but they were in all means like in position to give TL a zero two week with losses to TSM and FlyQuest. So such a big, big drop off from where they were so almost anointed last week to now. What do you make of that? Um, I think, so it's really interesting to me when you look at some of their, I guess some of their drafts last season to some of the drafts they've been trying to run um, this week Mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, you know, where you have push in your lanes and how, I guess, early game focused if they are at all early game focused Mm -hmm. um because that is what they're kind of trying to look at right is like okay we're going to be um 
having Whippo play weak side, which means Santorin's probably not going up there as often. And then we're going to be playing a much more bot centric style. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I actually do agree that that fits this team really, Mm -hmm. really well. Um, But then, you know, for example, in the FlyQuest game, they give up, uh, I want to say it was at least one, but I think two early kills to the Twitch. And then it was like, oh, okay. Like, because... It was one kill to Twitch Twitch, and then one of the Blanc, but Twitch had the assist. uh, It was two kills in the first river fight. Yeah. So, like, the... Sorry, today's games are a blur. But, like, the... um, Misexecution on that like changes the fabric of the way these drafts work, right? Yep. Because Johnson suddenly is, you know, item an item ahead of where a Twitch like normally would be, and where you'd be able to kind of really push in that, uh, particularly Lulu, but the the Zeri Lulu combo. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that they definitely are going to look at how they're acting in the early game, and I also think like. I am someone who is a really big, uh, I don't want to say fan, but I can't think of a better word. I really appreciate um, Santorin's pathing overall and like yeah. his understanding of the game. Uh, but I know you've talked about this in terms of the way he sees the map and how that works with being a lot more proactive because he's always running through like, a bunch of different scenarios and said at any given time and he's yeah. really good at tracking his opponents he might not always make the most proactive play because he can be a bit risk averse mm-hmm. um and i do see that going forward that's something at least i need to go back and watch the vods because obviously i'm just coming off broadcast today um but that's something i'm going to pay attention to in his pathing and see how that works with like this new kind of bot focused style um because, A, I thought Han, Sama, and Kor were fine in lane, mm-hmm. but not great. Mm-hmm. Like, they looked pretty average today. Um, and then I really want to pay attention going forward, go back and look at Santorin's pathing and seeing if he is trying to kind of push those plays a little bit more and maybe push himself out of his comfort zone. Because I think if that does happen, he just has so much experience that it it will work out better than he thinks, if that makes sense. In the long run, exactly. Yeah. And what... What you're describing, I, I've told it to you before, is he doesn't want it to go wrong. So, mm-hmm. for instance, a game where the other team has like two lanes of prio is bad for the jungler in a large mm-hmm. aggregate. But if you're able to predict their tendencies and play off of your strengths, like you can still win it. And he actually does a lot of the time, but he's not going to be happy about it because it's like he had to make that risk and he just doesn't want to do that. So, Today would be a perfect example of that where they had bot prio and FlyQuest had mid prio and he read that Takui wasn't going to move, but then Takui did move and Aphromoo moved that yeah. slid behind him. And I'd say, I'd say actually Aphromoo to me played the best on FlyQuest with how active he was and how he stopped Zeri, Lulu from Hans and Kor from being able to lane. Like Kor was level six, mm-hmm. like 13 minutes into the game on Lulu because he was following Aphromoo around, who was also level six. But it's it's strange. I always trend towards Team Liquid will be fine, even though this yeah. could be a very worrying week if you're a Doomer because of them nearly going 0-2 against what was weak opponents. But they actually didn't. <laughs> and they <laughs> kind of won what looked to me like an unwinnable game. So yeah. that is credit 
in its own way. Do you want to talk about 100 Thieves? 100 Thieves? Yeah, I... You're not super excited about them, though. (laughs) I was... No, because... So, going into this game, I was, like, super... Super interested to see what would happen when they got Senna, right? 100 versus C9, yep. Uh, Yeah, because this is something that's been banned against 100 Thieves. It's something that they have previously been shown... Uh, they're really good. Like, I think FBI is, like, actually a really good center player. I think both FBI and Kuhi, like, know how to use that pick super, super well. And then we get through this draft, and you have, like, I know people are memeing the the five-pick Volibera on red side. Like, yes, (laughs) go ahead, meme away, I guess. Um, But the thing that I think is really, I think the thing that 100 Thieves are struggling with outside of, like, the laning issues that we've pointed out on broadcast a few times Mm. are... The fact that they cannot set up these like level three dives, like they yeah. used to be really, really good at playing around cannon wave dives. Yep. And they would always set them up and sometimes someday would even like TP bot for them mm-hmm. uh, prior to uh, the unleashed teleport changes. And so that was kind of a small nerf to 100 Thieves yeah. already. Uh, and then this split with the durability update i think they're really struggling without Mm. the ability and i know you called this out on broadcast i think in in the cast itself but like they're really struggling to adapt in a world where like closer can't just speed through go set up around a cannon wave either top or bot depending on the matchup and then you know we're we're going off of that i hadn't actually thought about the two tiers of nurse that they've gone through across the three splits they've been together because they were the champions in 2021 mm-hmm. summer with being able to teleport for the dives. They had an adjust, really an adjustment period in spring where they weren't necessarily like they were kind of trying to play around top. They're kind of trying to play around mid and then they got back to their bread and butter where they could still force at least people off the turret with just closer. But now mm-hmm. with the turret changes, there's really such a low amount of threat. It was Azael who brought that up too. So it's interesting that the three of us have actually come to very similar conclusions on, oh yeah, this is their strength. Huh, I wonder what their new strength is going to be because that's a very <laughs> direct target. The thing that has hurt them, I think, so far, even though like they're still three and two, it's not that bad, is impatience. And mm. and it part of that is in searching for how they actually want to play. It is very boring, I think, to play their team comp today through the game towards victory. Like, you Mm -hmm. can almost never force. You really have to just wait and wait and wait, control objectives enough, let Senna get to like 140 souls, and then then still actually have to worry a little bit about like Gragas Yon getting a good team fight against you. Look, thinking back to the game, it was going to be a relatively hard one for them to win, but... It's, it's just not inspiring to me because the, the biggest problem that I have, aside from the macro points we just talked about, is Abadage. Like, he has looked... He looked bad in a few moments in spring and then bounced back for playoffs. And like, yeah, playoffs Abadage, he cares again. But like, dude, we're in summer split. They got swept in the finals and he's down like 45 CS every single game is what it feels like. Yeah, for me, the leaning is the big thing. Also, it's funny that you mentioned the team comp because like... Uh, Golden Guardians ran kind of a similar... Uh, there are differences because they had Xin Zhao and Fiora mm-hmm. top, but uh, 
kind of a similar-esque team comp with the Senna, and it was Senna Mundo and then Corky. Yeah. And after I talked to Olive, and he was just like, yeah, I didn't do anything, like, all game, <laughs> and then suddenly we were winning. Um, so it's just funny you say that, because, like, yeah, it is. Like, sometimes you'll end up with a team composition, and you're like, oh, this this maybe is good, but then, like, mm-hmm. You have the Volibear who wants to affect lanes early, and yep. that's where I think their propensity for dives comes in. So if you do want to play that, you want to play around that style and, and figure out how, you, how you're able to do it. But then Abba, for him, it is, I think, the lack of lane pressure that's also really affecting what Closure can do, right? Because yeah. in week one, I think you still saw his strengths as a player when mm-hmm. he was able to make all of those picks on Ari and play really well around the way that Ari wants to work, you know, with Fog and, and setups and side lanes and really get those picks for his team in the mid to late game. Yeah. Then the laning was still not great. And for Closer to really want to either counter jungle or just kind of speed around the map and affect lanes, I think you do definitely want to have more mid pressure and they're lacking that right now. Yeah, I I completely agree. It's it's part of why I think I didn't put them in top four, which would be which would be crazy. Like it it reemphasizes how there's only three spots for NA Worlds, and four of these mm-hmm. teams have very good claims for having them. And if you're looking at past results, 100 Thieves being first and second in the last two splits, and then coming back with the same head coach and same five starters, you would think that they would be up there. But it's just been it's just been off for me. So yeah. until I guess my mind changes on this, uh, I'm, I'm going to have him in fourth. I'm, I'm not a believer currently. I do want to talk about GSM though. Um, this, this was, this conversation started on the analyst desk when mm-hmm. Maple beat Bjergsen or TSM beat TL because, uh, you have been a lot more plugged into the LPL in the last year than I have been. So mm-hmm. I kind of relied on your expertise for this question, but when I, if I just put on like my, my blinders and said, okay, I am someone who watches the LCS and Worlds, Maple coming to NA should have been a big freaking deal because yeah. he was consistently an international, not like force, but clearly someone who was consistently good on the international stage for a lot of years had done specifically well against Bjergsen, who was on the TSM teams that were some of the most dominant teams in NA history. And then even when he came to NA, it's like, actually, Spika has great things to say about him. He was able to best Bjergsen. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of similarities between him and Bjergsen, actually. He's been around for a long time, but he's only 24. Um, To me, it feels like he kind of disappeared for a year. Could have been coaching. Actually, it was him floundering in the LPL. But yeah, why do you think... (laughs) Give me more of your reasons of like, oh yeah, by the way, he wasn't hyped coming into the LCS and it was justified uh, as we were making the ratings. Yeah, so I'm going to call myself out as like part of the problem, right? Because a lot of us watching LPL um, saw him on, you know, anyone's legend and they, for anyone who doesn't follow LPL very closely, came in... Uh, 13th place Not great. with a 5 and 11 series record, um, and a 14 and 26 game record. They ended the split on a three game loss streak. So, um, and this is kind of something I did want to point out when I was introducing Maple to the league because he used to be this mid laner in the Flashwolves heyday mm-hmm. where people were like, 
he's one of the best mids in the world. Like, yeah. or at the very least, he is very much, he and Carsa were very much a part of that conversation, um, despite coming from LMS and not being in a major yeah. region. Yeah, and they were like the T1 kryptonite for a fair bit. Like, it always seemed like Maple and Carsa could beat the Korean team. Like, like multiple wins over Faker in international events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and especially in single games, obviously, like some of the him and Bjergsen have played uh, a few times, and we kind of brought it up going into this matchup where uh, Maple actually has the head to head, and more interestingly, he has like a much higher like KDA and, mm-hmm. and some overall statistics there. So that was super interesting. Um, but I think the big thing about Maple that I wanted to point out is that. A, like, he's kind of in the twilight of his career, mm-hmm. I'd say. Um, I agree with something that Biofrost said on the desk today, or uh, in an interview, actually, where, like, age is only a problem if you make it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes pros, like, just, they've been grinding for so long, it, it really wears you down. I don't know if that's the case for Maple. Um, it probably isn't. I, I think he's a pretty mm. hard worker. But, like, mm. there was always this inconsistency when he would go to LPL and be fine yeah like in like the lpl pool be fine to like once we got to the anyone's legend days Mm -hmm. not great Mm -hmm. um and then you know in that time between his initial like sooning lng days he went back to psg talon they you know did well at msi just last year yeah uh when he was on that team and so i think the the reason why i was pretty harsh on the signing was not only was he coming off a, a really rough split on anyone's legend, but additionally, the thing I was valuing really highly with him as a, an individual player, right? It's yeah. like, oh, maybe you get outpaced by a lot of the, the LPL mids in terms of mechanics, but you are very smart about the game. Maple is very smart about the game. Um, by all accounts, he's a really good teammate. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's not like a huge tilter. He's not going to rage. You know, he's a really good person to actually have in comms. But the thing is, in comms, and then when we think back to the summer or, or the spring split where Sp- Spica was obviously like very exhausted yeah. um, by having to add this whole other dimension to what he had to do mm-hmm. as a player on TSM, which was translate effectively for the rest of the team. Yeah, And so I think... It seems like that burden has shifted with Maple. Maple is someone he's already spoken very, very highly of in mm-hmm. every single interview he's done. So that could be Maple's personality. It could just be his experience. And the fact that he probably does have a baseline level of English already and or he's just a better communicator overall as a person, mm-hmm. um, which would also make sense given his wealth of experience. But yeah, I was pretty down on the signing and i'm happy to see that not only is maple doing pretty well but additionally the tsm team seems to like having him there which Mm -hmm. is a really good sign given you know i think his strengths as a player come from his experience and like his communication yeah i think it's been very positive and thank you for that context it's it's also interesting when we consider maple in the twilight of his career but then we're also still looking at Bjergsen, who's 26. Jensen, mm-hmm. who I believe is 26, might be 27. And, oh yeah, by the way, this Maple guy is two to three years younger. So there, there <laughs> is a chance that this can refresh his career. 
Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, it completely makes sense why it wasn't a hyped up signing because people were so down on TSM after what was the worst split in the history of their organization by far <laughs> when they bring like they lose Bjergsen who they'd had for eight years and they completely kind of redo it with Kaidiwo and Shenyi and like the hard, like they actually made a pretty hard pivot. If we, th- mm-hmm. like, even though Mia seems like a new player, he has four to five years of professional ish league of legends and has bounced around everywhere. So like they, part of why they went with Kaidiwo and Shenyi, I I think, and this is just from a few conversations I've had, was because they wanted a team of like really hard workers. They wanted a team mm-hmm. that would all be willing to play League of Legends all the time. And what they realized, I think, is, well, they just went with far too little actual professional experience and they couldn't actually generate wins with a mid laner and a support who had so few professional League of Legends games. But now Maple is like actually one of the most experienced mids in the world, but still in theory has the work ethic. So there's, there's a much, much, much higher chance of this working out, even though it's a two and three start. So you've talked me into being okay with my fifth place prediction again, <laughs> even though, because I'm blaming their loss today on draft. I thought that draft ended up, they got, they got completely destroyed in that draft. I think like it was a really nice draft from golden guardians. And the most hilarious thing about it was listening. Cause I, um, I stepped in for the interview today just yeah, because, that was great. Uh, yeah, Gabby was casting obviously. And then, uh, for those who don't know, pastry is ill, uh, with COVID, yeah. which really sucks. He tweeted about it earlier today. So, um, it was just kind of like, well, I used to do interviews. Like I'll do a post-match interview with fun. Uh, and, and all have told me is like, yeah, I did not know the window was, co- was coming, yeah. which, uh, was just hilarious. I don't think any of us kind of expected it outside of the fact that, um, there is a Golden Guardians connection in that concept. Their academy top laner is uh, a Mundo player. Instances. And then additionally, Ola has apparently been spamming it in uh, Champ Q. So, or he's played it a few times in Champ Q. And he, I believe he tweeted he played it in Korea. But that was a really nice 4-5 with the, uh, with the Mundo yeah. Fiora. I'll go through it right now for the people that, that might have missed it. Um, because also, this draft didn't happen on broadcast mm-hmm. because both teams were playing remote and they had a trade bug so production saved us not having to go through like 15 minutes of delays but the one two three from golden guardians was senna corky's in tsm was seraphine volibear karma which is already low damage so they need to find ways to get damage on four five um but then they just lock the mundo right away uh which even just that since they're already locked into seraphine karma like as soon as he gets a little bit of mr he's going to be impossible to move out of the lane and uh, at, at this point, like TSM ends up going to like double AD Yasuo Nar, which gives them like a triple AD topside and then AP bot lane. Like it just, it just doesn't work with, with how it all played out. So Santa Corky's in Mundo Fiora was just such a nasty draft by Golden Guardians, especially when TSM's trying to run double enchanter, but greener pastures next next week for tsm they play uh, uh, oh that's actually not that great they play eg right away then they play dignitas so if they really really perform <laughs> they could have a 2-0 but i'm i would expect a 1-1 is there any other topics you'd want to talk about before we wrap up um i'm glad we shouted out the golden guardians draft because i think that was the only other thing i want to touch on because like yeah. uh there are a bunch of teams that i'm kind of looking to see like okay 
what is your play style going to end up being, namely Golden Guardians and, and Dignitas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was cool to see that draft come out from them because I think they'd been looking really, really shaky thus far this split. Yeah, draft has been interesting to me. I think CLG obviously had the most unique drafts in week one, but even even now, the, the balance between the poke comps and low engage mm-hmm. comps that are still finding a lot of effectiveness versus the hard engage comps, to me, is actually favoring the compositions that don't have engage. Mm-hmm. It really feels there were multiple, and this is obviously a little bit of recency bias, but there were back-to-back games where I really just thought the team had to wait. Just wait until the objective comes up and things will be fine. But they were wired to be aggressive because that's generally how you improve as a team and probably how you scrim and I think is generally a good way to practice. But like in the moment, they just had to wait. Um, 100 Thieves as well as FlyQuest then hard forced and kind of lost 8,000 gold within the next four minutes. So I want to see how that evolves. I, I don't like the direction it's going personally if we actually do end up having more low engage only go to objective type team comps because those will end up being very snowbally. but that is kind of the direction I see the game moving personally. Yeah, I would like to see, and I mean, this isn't something that's just being played out in North America. I think every mm-hmm. single region is, thus far is really um, having some interesting, like even across within their own region, interesting reads on like mm-hmm. what they think the meta is. And especially if you're on red side, what you're going to be saving that typically top lane counter pick four um, mm-hmm. can change the entire fabric of a draft. So for NA teams, I would really like to definitely see uh, overall improvement in playing through sides because obviously like mm. if you are trying to set up around objectives with with some of these team compositions, I actually think you can really take advantage of splitting. Now the the thing about splitting is with um with some of the other changes that have happened in the game it's a little bit more difficult to kind of just go to a side like sprint down mm-hmm. burst down turrets uh at earlier like in the mid game i think it is kind of when, when it's trickiest but um i would like to see more leveraging through sides uh especially in setting up around baron because we've seen some pretty I don't know if you agree, but I feel like we've seen some very rough Baron setups. Like I made, a, I made a joke that uh, you know how Dom put out his power rankings yeah. and he ranked like Baron uh, third from last. I was like, yeah. I don't know. I think Baron needs to go up <laughs> because like we, we've seen some, seen some pretty rough uh, looks at, at setting up around Baron and really being able to play with Fog. So yeah. I mean that's another thing about poke comps. Like I already kind of called out EG for this, but you really want to. Be able to play with your range, especially mm-hmm. if you uh, might not have engage on your team or as much engage as you're used to. So we'll see. We'll see how people uh, adapt further in the meta. I'm definitely hoping that we continue to see some experimentation. I feel like this is the most I've seen top laners actually experiment with, like possibly going for mm-hmm. counter picks. Like mm-hmm. we finally seen some Fiora. We saw some. Uh, Kale, which I thought was cool, uh, and and based on how those drafts evolve, like that's kind of where I'm looking at to be like maybe this will destabilize it a bit and make it interesting. Yeah, Kale ban even in the C9 game, so there was mm-hmm. definitely a potential of 
the kale being picked into GP, which would definitely spice things up. So lots to look forward to in, in week three. Emily, thank you very much for joining me once again oh, on JLXP. Thanks for me. Uh, Thanks everyone else for listening as well. Please like and subscribe so you can get updated when I will release a video midweek next week. It's going to happen. Uh, and then also <laughs> the Monday morning releases will continue to happen throughout the split. So uh, once again, thanks for watching and we'll see you next time.